This is Mission.org. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. In a world of increasing consumer awareness, creators are finding there's a new emerging factor that is important to target markets. Transparency. People wanna know where their goods are coming from. Are they ethically sourced? Are they really made up of the materials they list on the back of the label? How long was this product on the shelf? Businesses are finding that answering these questions has opened up an entirely new way of doing business. And for Francisco Mello of Avery Dennison, a global material science company specializing in the design and manufacturing of a wide variety of labeling and functional materials. This is an exciting new frontier, an opportunity for businesses to be more accountable and sustainable. And Avery Dennison is more than up to task. They've created an internally built startup that has developed the world's leading connected product cloud, an end-to-end platform that can enable each and every physical item in the world to have a unique digital identity. You can see where your product was created, where it was shipped, and everything in between. More than that, it also allows you to find out the best way to dispose of it should you need to. This entirely new way of approaching the supply chain is something that could, and according to Francisco, will absolutely change the way we all approach buying things. Having that common vision, working towards it, and then understanding that It's the creation of win-win partnerships. This isn't about me winning and your business losing because we create the better every dance and we create the better future for tomorrow and we do something which is right for the business and right for the planet. To hear all about Francisco's bold plan for the future of RDIF and the implementation of this bold new tech into existing companies, be sure to tune in to this week's episode of Marketing Trends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron, as always. And today I'm super honored and and super excited to have Francisco Mello, Vice President and General Manager of a very small company, just kidding, Avery Dennison Smart Track. Francisco, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Jeremy. Great to be here. I'm super excited to have you on. We had uh, someone from your team on, I was mentioning before, Max Winograd, who's a, a VP of connected products there. He was on another show that we have in our network and was speaking to uh, our CEO, Stephanie Postles. And I I got a chance to listen to a bit of that conversation. And just to hear the scope, you know, and the impact of the brand and the things that you guys are doing was incredibly inspiring to think about 
this, you know, product as a channel and how we're interacting and engaging with customers at the product level all the way through supply chain and and the shelf and, and everywhere in between. So I, I'm I'm super excited. And your background is super interesting too. I kind of want to start there with you is just at Avery Dennis and how did you end up leading this really cool part of the business and the smart track part of the business? How did you get there? Thank you, Jeremy. And I think um, it's a great question. I'm an engineer by trade, so I've got technical background. I've always been a love technology, but I also love technology with a purpose. Okay, technology is great, you know, from an engineering standpoint, but what does it do? How does it help people? How does it, uh, you know, create a better world, so to speak, conceptually? So, you know, as I was looking into that, you know, I came through my career working in several areas around consumer electronics, product development, and so on. And then I found that I really love being at the intersection between the technology element, the understanding of the technology, and the marketing element. So the the, the combination of that, the value that it brings, that's really what excited me the most. In my journey through a, through a number of companies, I eventually created a startup, which was linked to creating a transformation in retail around uh, digitizing retail and enabling the use of new technologies, including radio frequency identification that we'll, I believe we'll talk a bit more about in retail. And in that journey, I found Avery Denison, who's you know, the world's largest developer and provider of radio frequency identification. You know, I came to get to know them through a large joint customer. And eventually, you know, I got to meet their CEO. We got really good, good connection, good conversation. And uh, eventually I got invited to join the company. And then within Neighbor Dance and I progressed from more of the market development front end element, what we call the creating a market, creating the opportunity for new technologies and technology adoption, all the way through being the general manager for the division of Evidence Smart Track. Wow. I love it. So you have this kind of engineering background. You, you then have also this entrepreneurial side of you as well, and then ended up at a, you know, a huge company within the Fortune 500. What was it like marrying the engineering part, the entrepreneurial part of you, and now joining kind of this big, massive brand, reach and scale into multiple industries? Did you find that kind of the entrepreneurial engineering side of you was really met there with the greatest challenges and the greatest acceptance? Or was it a difficult transition kind of going from that world into such a big organization? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was certainly different. I think the challenges you have in large organizations. So I, I believe I'm an entrepreneur within a big organization, right? So, um, you know, I'm, a conne- I'm trying to be the connection maker. I try to be the facilitator. I try to be, you know, bring agility to processes and being able to drive things forward. In a company which inherently is like that, but being large also has obviously the uh, some of the drawbacks of, of any large corporation that has structures and processes in place to do that. So it's been a great journey. I've been here for 11 years. It's been an amazing journey. I'm, you know, I'm very, very happy with what we're doing. And very, more, than, more than that, I'm happy with what our customers tell us that the impact of what we're doing is having both within their operations, but also towards their customers and the impact that has from a consumer standpoint. Mm. What about the intersection? And maybe there's a story here and there of kind of, because you went from this kind of individual contributor to then, you know, leader, right? Leading teams, leading divisions. And then your role now is really kind of like the CEO of that part of the business and in charge of, you know, the P&L and marketing and everything that goes with it. What was that experience like for you, you know, going from, you know, joining this massive thing, becoming a leader within this massive thing, because that is always an interesting experience for people. And just because you come in and you, you know, are a great contributor does not mean you're going to be a great leader. 
So what's that experience been like for you transitioning to leader? What were you exposed to? Maybe some of the early lessons you learned and to kind of how you lead today? I think it's it's amazing question, Jeremy. I think the, the biggest challenge or the biggest, I would say, difference uh, from who you are as an entrepreneur, where you create a startup and you're the, in my case, I was the co-founder. So I was the co-CEO, whatever you want to call it. And basically you're calling all the shots into coming to a much bigger organization where you want to do the same. You want to drive growth. You want to create things. You want to drive new opportunities, but you had to lead in many cases without authority, right? So it's the notion of the leader as somebody that believes in something and pursues that and brings people along as opposed to people are following me because I'm their manager or their leader, you know, their, their, their direct manager as such. So I think that's been a lot of a transformation, right? So you, you leading without authority, I think it's the, the easiest way to say that, which is um, you're leading people to come to a joint vision and be able to deliver on that without necessarily having the full ownership of that. So, and, and large corporations are highly matrixed, right? So uh, corporate America is, you know, it's known for that. You have to, you, you very, your success is very dependent on everyone else's success. And therefore the interdependency, if you'd like, it's something that it's a learning journey, but it's been uh, yeah, a great one for me. Absolutely. Mm. On kind of following up to that in your role specifically, and, and it, you know, we get a lot of CMOs and marketing leaders, you know, across the Fortune 500 and beyond. Um, but in your role, it's not just marketing. There's, a, like I said, there's other aspects of your role. So this even, I think, applies more interestingly to you in that in your role as VP and, and GM for, for Avery Dennison and SmartTrack, you're at this interesting intersection, you know, where you, you have to be collaborative and you have to be able to build trust and rapport with you know, the entire executive leadership team. And you have, you know, it, it's one of the most interesting, I think, parts of being an executive is certainly being responsible for all the marketing, but also finance, like you said, operations and all these things. What are some of the things you've cultivated over the years now to to be that ally internally? Because clearly, you know, I don't even, I'm not in the meetings, but I can assume that you're building trust with your other leaders. You're doing this really well. If you look at the market cap of Avery Dennison, you look at the growth the past five years, it's just the company just continues to do this. So how do you really act as this engaging, interactive ally with all of the leaders? How have you built that up and cultivated that? Yeah, so so I think I must say that it also starts very much by what does Avery Denson want and therefore what our CEO is pursuing for the company. It's true the company has been on a, on a great journey over the past few years. And we believe that we're, you know, we're going through a transformation of making the company more digital, if you'd like, right? And that's one of the roles we're playing. So what we what we do as Evidence and Smart Track is this sort of a technology platform, if you'd like, where it enables many of the offerings of Evidence, whether those are, you know, pressure sensitive adhesives, whether those are tags, tickles, tickets, and labels for, say, apparel in retail or in food, to become digitized, right? So to elevate the the offering of what you're doing to not just be able to allow someone to look into or read the barcode, but be able to have those products to talk. So that evolution to your point has allowed us to create a common vision and that common vision positioned us a little bit in the middle, if you'd like, where we operate with sister divisions as well as uh, obviously outside partners, very important partners outside of Avery Denson. That, but within the corporation to be to be the let's say the facilitator of that evolution, and I think what what that has been it's been again 
having that common vision, working towards it, and then understanding that it's the creation of win-win partnerships, right? This isn't about me winning and your business losing. It's about, you know, we both win because we create a better evidence and we create a better future for tomorrow. And we do something which we like to say, which is right for the business and right for the planet, right? So mm-hmm. and that ties back to, you know, we're a values-based company that follows those uh, eight values, uh, you know, pretty strictly. And, uh, and, and that covers a number of topics that I'm happy to touch on. But I think it's making sure that we're doing that, respecting not just the what, but also the how. So how mm-hmm. we do things, how we treat each other, how we make sure we build that trust by creating win-win scenarios for all the interactions we have from a uh, company leadership team perspective as well. What is your relationship like as a leader with, you know, velocity and then, you know, optimizing things? Because, you know, you're also sitting at the middle of a lot of innovation and we're going to talk about the technology and some of the things you're seeing. But there's also, I mean, the company has continued to grow and there's this kind of expectation around speed and, and velocity and being able to move fast and being able to go out in the future and make something real today. And then also optimizing, you know, what you're doing now as a leader in this really big organization, how do you dance with those two things of like, you know, velocity and predicting growth and, and innovation? It's like all in this interesting pie that you could kind of get lost in where you're moving too fast in one direction. How are you kind of able to pace these things? Because you got to be in the future. You also got to be optimizing things today. How do you dance with those things? So I believe if I had to pick between optimizing or velocity, if I had to pick one, and by the way, the world doesn't work that way, as you rightfully said, uh, Jeremy, that is not the way things can operate. But if I had to pick one, I'm probably more towards the velocity versus the optimization, right? So I tend to be, you know, I'm, I'm all for what's next. How do I drive it faster? How do I become more agile? You know, how do we take it to the next level? Having said that, those things go hand in hand. So this notion, maybe a good analogy is this notion of, you know, make the quarter and build the future, right? So, you know, we're a public listed company. So every quarter people are going to say, hey, how's the business doing? Oh, the business is doing great. Okay, but you have to make sure that you're building the future, particularly in a fast-growing, fast-paced uh, technology adoption uh, business like the one we're driving. So I think the, 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 if I had to say, I think I tend to lean, because we're in growth mode, I tend to lean more into the speed. We tend to lean forward. And again, I go back to uh, the, the common objective as a company. We are leaning forward and investing significantly ahead than the needs of today. So we're prepared for tomorrow. Now, that's coming. And I think that's the beauty of what we've been doing. Hence, the, you, know, you talked about the performance of our stock. I think the beauty of that is being able to continue the growth while you're paving the way for what's next to come. So again, it's a balancing act. I think speed and agility is fundamental in everything you do. Mm. Let's shift into benefits of like digital identity technologies. And I want maybe if you could share a use case around this. What are the benefits of digital identity technologies for the consumer? So I'll probably break that down into a couple of topics. And maybe just if I may just tell a little story about how the digital identity started to be used in the retail space was really about allowing people to find what he or she wants when he or she wants it. And it was the in-store typical situation, right? You go into a store, you don't find your size, you ask someone, I'm going to go to the back room that they couldn't find it. So, And it's interesting because one of the biggest drivers of the net promoter score is actually finding what I want when I want it, right? 
This was back then. It was all about the store. Now, fast forward, not even COVID times. COVID times just further accelerated, as we all know, everything tied back to uh, e-commerce and the omni-channel. But fast forward, people want to do the same thing today using all the channels they like to use. Uh, and therefore, this notion of having convenience, right? Having one single view of inventory has driven consumers to want to have what they want when they want it, you know, potentially in their phone or elsewhere. But it forces retailers to know exactly what they have as a single view of inventory so they can make everything available to everyone, irrespective of being only available in two stores or in a thousand stores or whatever, or in the DC or whatever that ends up being. So I think that's one of the key elements. Beyond that, so that availability is a key thing. And that's enabled that whole sort of backend has enabled people to drive into, you know, new fulfillment models like, you know, buy online, pick up in store, in many cases, ship from store. You know, uh, more recently, uh, uh, with obviously with big growth with the uh, with the pandemic, uh, the whole uh, curbside pickup and other means of uh, what we would call safe retail, right? So I want to go in, I want to get my stuff, walk out. I actually don't want to see anybody, and I want anyone to talk to me because you know what? There's this whole pandemic thing. I feel much safer if I don't have to do that. The technology enables that, right? So that's all about creating a smart retail lens. But I think more than that, what it allows for a consumer standpoint is because it creates a smart supply chain, right? This isn't just about the retail, it's about the supply chain. And because you can know what's happened to that product throughout its journey, from the moment it was born, through its journey, up to the retail, and potentially beyond the retail as well, I think it provides a level of transparency, which uh, I'm sure we'll talk about. It's one of the key elements that consumers are saying, I want to make sure I'm buying something that... I know where it came from. I know it respected, you know, the communities where it, where it was sourced and or manufactured. And I know also that, um, you know, it, it's done in an environmentally friendly way. Uh, I want to know what's the carbon footprint. I don't know how I should dispose this and so on and so forth. So I think the key thing to me is attributing digital identities to item, Jeremy, allows items to be a new window of interaction between brands and the consumer. So never possible before, because you typically buy something. Yeah, you can tell people, hey, why don't you sign up for something? You know what? It's not going to happen because people don't have the time and so on. Now you actually have this direct interaction where you can tap a product and you can interact with it. You can read something on it and you can be able to you know, create a personalized connection between myself as, as a consumer, as an individual and the brand. Wow. How can marketers leverage new technologies to, to build that consumer trust and emotional engagement? So let me give you an example of a, uh, of a customer we work with, which is Etam, They're the number one lingerie uh, retailer in France. They've been working with the team. They've attributed digital identities to all items. They sort of laid out three main items. Number one is convenience, right? So making sure that everything you do is available. So everything you have is available to everybody whether they are launching a new product and whether that product has been launched only in some of the stores or in all stores or whatever, everything is available everywhere to everybody. So this notion of one single view of inventory that I mentioned earlier. And then he actually created new ways of shopping. We talked about safe shopping of the ability of being able to, they created this notion of, they called the uh, um, try at home initiative. So basically they allow people they are registered with that with themselves to go into a store, grab five items, just scan them and walk out. No questions asked. You literally just walk out. And then if you like them, you keep them. Eventually, you get charged after a few days. If you don't like them, you have a few days to return them back. 
And that's possible, why? Because the unique identity of every item in the store knows that this was purchased or at least you know, shown interest by a consumer. And therefore, he or she can walk out of the store without triggering the alarm, without wow. you know, creating a theft element and be able to do that. So I think you know, those are uh, two examples of that. And then the last one, which is an element that Etam is still working on, is uh, on the element of transparency, right? So shoppers can scan the product via QR or otherwise. And then, uh, you know, on their smartphone, they can look at, say, a short video that provides insights about the factory, how it was made, information about, uh, you know, the journey of the product and so on and so forth. And so those three elements, convenience, new ways of shopping or transforming the shopping experience and transparency, I think are three great examples of, uh, of what Etam has driven. In, in addition to Avery developing their own technology, you guys have, have spent a lot of time investing and even acquiring you know, other businesses. What has that been like to really incorporate these new technologies into your existing business? Yeah, so it's been a great journey. I think the, the element on how we've integrated different technologies is a fundamental element of how we operate. So in other words, a couple of examples is we've recently invested in, uh, in Vestcom. So Vestcom is a... Uh, is a, a shelf edge, uh, let's say data management solution that basically allows CPGs and brands to make sure that their product and their promotion and the relevant information is in front of the consumer at the moment of truth. So when you go into a store and you'll be able to grab something, you can actually have an interaction and be able to know exactly, you know, you, not only you have the right price in the right place, you have the right promotion for the right product and relevant information about the product. That is, let's say, uh, using the shelf as a means of communicating with the consumer. Now, we believe that's going to accelerate also the adoption of item-level digital identity, because if you were able to combine the shelf capability with the product capability, and you're able to truly leverage those, we think it can raise the bar and actually you know, increase the opportunity from a sort of a retail transformation perspective and digitization. Another example of that, an investment we've made recently is in a company in uh, called Willit, which is a, a startup that's looking at passive Bluetooth technology, right? So today we talked about RFID. Passive Bluetooth technology basically does the same thing, but it constantly talks to your phone, if you'd like, through Bluetooth in a passive fashion. And I thought I think the passive element is important because all the things we're talking about from a digital identity perspective, they don't really have batteries. They are powered by radio waves. And it's mm. those radio waves that actually make them, quote unquote, wake up, communicate, provide information, sensing and everything else, whatever that's relevant from a uh, product perspective. And then obviously, eventually they go back to sleep when they're not under the, the same radio uh, frequency uh, field. Oh, it seems like there's this new RFID technology that it looks like a regular label, but with, micro, with this microchip and this antenna. And so when I hear this, I, I think, OK, it needs battery, it needs power of some sort. So... It's the radio waves, the radio frequencies, are how you're able to kind of utilize this without a power source and kind of making it clunky? Yeah, that's absolutely the, the case. All wow. this has is a very thin, in our case, uh, mostly aluminum, uh, a very, very thin aluminum uh, layer and has a chip. And basically that chip wakes up through something that's called energy backscatter. I'm not going to get into the technicalities about it, but basically it wakes up with the radio frequency, communicates its identity and any other relevant information you might have and off you go to sleep again. So it is a, that's why it's a, it's a, from a sustainability perspective as well, it's a, uh, it's a solution that allows us to, uh, to have a very contained 
limited impact. Uh, how are you tackling cost inflation and supply chain disruptions? I know that's been you know big topics around the world, and I'm curious with Avery Dennison having such you know an important stake at the table. How are you kind of thinking about this cost inflation and supply chain disruptions this year? Yeah, so it's been um, an interesting year to say the least, uh, with a lot of challenges, certainly in terms of supply chain disruptions and certainly in terms of inflation. So uh, there's really two levers here that we that we use. One is obviously innovation. So we tend to always, you know, create productivity measures and ways of being, you know, more efficient at what we do and therefore being able to create some, if you'd like, cost out that tries to offset inflation to as much as we can. And then it comes a point where we cannot, right? And that, at that moment, of course, you know, we have to discuss with our customers and our partners to say, hey, by the way, you know, there's no way we can absorb all this. And, and it goes. So it's been a bit of a mixed bag between being able to manage the disruptions, manage the inflation, and, and navigate price increases as well where needed. Unfortunately, in many places, that being the case, uh, but it's been, uh, I think, all in all, I think I'm very proud about where we are and what we've achieved because we've been able to not really create any major disruptions to our own factories but our customer factories, which unfortunately we've seen happening throughout the semiconductor shortage, uh, you know, over sure. the course of last year in many, uh, many segments, as you know. Wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Have there been any interesting, untapped, surprising sources of revenue that you've found, uh, you know, in the past year and change? Of course, these, all these interesting acquisitions and technology. Has anything kind of been uncovered in terms of, wow, there's a big revenue opportunity that we weren't really considering because of all the technology and the acquisitions and the and the things that you're working on? Is there is anything like that ever happened? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if unplanned or not considered, but certainly I think the biggest aha, I think, that I, I certainly have over the recent past as we looked into what we're driving and what the pieces we're bringing together is really the power of that direct interaction with the consumer, right? So, you know, we've been as a company very focused on the supply chain digitization, right? So, you know, all the elements at the back end, all the way from the source, the factory, the retail. Okay. And that is extremely important. Now, I think what we've what we've come to realize and the initiative we have with our connected product cloud, Atma.io, is exactly around that is okay. If I now can leverage that, not only I can provide the visibility, the transparency, the authenticity, the brand protection, all those things that consumers want, but I can now also provide that connection with the consumer and be able to personalize and be able to know exactly what each of us want. And in the limit, at the limit, you could think about the product as the retail right outlet, right? So I, I can buy through the product, right? I can say, yeah, I want another one of these. Oh, I want something that goes well with these and the system knows what it is. And my, my, you know, my uh, app, whatever the app ends up being, would know what it is that are my preferences and be able to do. So I think more the, the maybe it's something to do with the potential that lies ahead of us with the consumer element, not just potential from a business standpoint, that is obviously important for businesses to sustain themselves over time, but also from being able to do better things. Mm. Can we help people to make sure they know how to dispose things? Can we help people to make sure that they know what they should do with specific products so they don't contaminate the soil or whatever that ends up being, right? So I think there is a whole story here that's very powerful, both from an impact to the society, as well as potentially from a, a, a recurring revenue perspective. Mm, it's huge. This has been awesome. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Salesforce. We love you, Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together 
And you can learn more about that at salesforce.com forward slash marketing. First question, lightning round for Francisco Mello, Vice President and General Manager of Avery Dennison Smart Track. First question, texting or talking? Talking, definitely. Okay. What do you love and appreciate about yourself? I think the ability to listen. Mm. What's your favorite day of the week? Friday. Mm. What's your favorite city in the U.S.? Boston. Mm. What's the last film you saw? Oh, it's um, oh, it's a French film about the pandemic. Uh, it's very, very it's hilarious. It's called... Um, I want to know this one. Yeah. Okay. If you remember, let me know. All right. This might be the most important question of the day, Francisco. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to speak with animals? I would rather be able to speak every language in the world. <laughs> Got it. Uh, what's your favorite holiday? It's uh, it's in the water, whether that's in the you know at the beach or water skiing or something. It's something in the water or, or sailing. It's something in the water. Okay. Scale of one to ten, how good of a driver are you? I want to think I'm an eight. Yeah. Uh, fill in the blank. Finish this sentence. Something wise my elders taught me was the importance of experience. Mm. Would you choose invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? Not for me. <laughs> okay. If you weren't the vice president and general manager of Avery Dennison Smart Track, what would you be doing? I would probably be doing something linked to agriculture and the world and yeah, something about something about uh, that, that side of, uh, of uh, yeah, maybe something linked to wine, probably. I love it. Okay, great. That was fantastic. Francisco, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. This was an incredible conversation. Congratulations on all the momentum at Avery Dennison. I know as a company, we're very bullish on where Avery Dennison's headed. And with people like you at the helm, leading SmartTrack and leading you know this operation at scale, I have full faith that where you're at now and where you'll be in a year and five years is going to be mind-blowing. So congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands. 
to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.